0: Hey guys, on this episode of the podcast, Nick Bailing stops by, and Nick and I have been friends for a long time. He's one of the guys I look to to make amazing stuff. He's a great creator and a guy who's playing in a lot of spaces that I'm paying attention to. So we talk about uh, Disney+, Plus. we talk about mixed martial arts, we talk about TikTok, and we talk about my favorite subject, which is making content for yourself as fast as humanly possible. So I hope you dig episode 50, because this is The Incredible Hall podcast there are aspects of my personality that i can't control don't make me angry you wouldn't like me when i'm angry
1: the incredible halt
0: podcast that might be a really good time for me to get angry that's my secret i'm always angry I'm always raised on television to believe that one day we'll all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars but we won't The Incredible Hulk. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. Welcome to episode 50 of The Incredible Hulk podcast. It is, as I said in the intro, my pleasure to introduce once again, Nick Bailing. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I am amazing. So we have lots to talk about, um, and I'm not really sure how to tackle this. So I'm just going to start with,
1: have you watched The Mandalorian? i've been through the first uh what is it an hour long episode about 30 yeah 36 minutes okay i've been through about 25 of it then nice yeah what and thoughts oh i love it i like what they're doing with it um i haven't seen i'm sure that they're setting up what the rest of the season is going to look like in the last 10 minutes that i've missed so far Uh, yeah yes they are
0: yeah without any spoilers yes they are
1: right so it's almost like you ever watch the movie or the show the last man on earth Yes. Yep. So I loved it. the first episode of that because before he meets the second person that's going to drive the storyline, yes. it's just him going through the universe and kind of establishing what it looks like with nobody else in it. The Mandalorian is the same. This is our, our Western. Would you consider this a Western? Oh, I mean, I, I know I texted you. I'm like, Spaghetti Western Star Wars is my new favorite because that's exactly what it feels like exactly so like what he is doing in this is just setting up a world that is star wars and i think everyone can agree that it finally is star wars in a series that people want to see but it isn't going to um i'm wondering what's going to happen as characters have to develop through a series and not just an arc of one two hour and a half like two and a half hour storyline
0: well um and, and i don't think this is a spoiler but if it is a spoiler I'll give you a second to jump out and jump back in. What I thought was fascinating is, this is totally not a spoiler, you go through the the first, there's only one episode on Disney+, Plus if you haven't downloaded it yet, um, and it's less than an hour, call it 40 minutes for easy math, but there's no mention of the Force. Right. There's no Jedi to be seen, right? And so we're telling a totally different story that I think, and I've read a couple articles from The Verge and IGN, like this idea of putting Star Wars on the small screen as kind of a um, almost a half measure because fans of Star Wars for a long time have wanted Knights of the Old Republic to be yep. a movie or whatever. Like, I think it would be much better in something like this. Right. And this to me is, is sort of a step towards that because you're telling a different story not to get too nerdy but the mandalorians the the ideas that they come from Mandalore, and i won't bore you with it cuz i did all the research cuz cuz when you're done with the and you will have the same thing when you're done with the episode i had a trillion questions even as a person who grew up with star wars and probably consumed more star wars than most but not super fandom i was like okay what is that why you know all those things um You're telling a story about a planet and a people that we've known on a tertiary level through,
1: we'll call it, you know, the mothership product of Star Wars. Right. And um, I have a couple of friends that are the 501st and they they dove so deep into what star wars is and each character and what their the hierarchy of the character is and what it means and all of them are just like yes 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 like it's checking all of their boxes on there so you're like the absolute top end super nerddom which like that's where i am um they're in and i'm already seeing people that i'm like i didn't even know you paid attention to the whole like the whole thing of star wars and they're saying yes to it so it's it's a pretty cool thing
0: yeah i'm very very excited to see where it goes and super excited for you to watch that i i actually find it hard to believe that you
1: somehow stopped with 10 minutes left well yeah well and so my the, the question being though is the first part of the episode is they had to build a little bit of a world for him to live in so they weren't really big there's one giant cgi monster spoiler alert to that it's just a guy that the thing that appears sure um they go some weird toilet humor in the very first part of it to try to like say like this is a place where people live in it was funny because i always say if you watch an alien movie or somewhere where they're in space or it's supposed to be foreign to you one of the first things that directors will do is have people eat because if you eat, it's... Make a, make a connection, It's right? a connection. How close is this to my world? How far away is it from my world? And in this one, they went, okay, so ships have bathrooms. They answered that question that they've never answered in Star Wars before. And it's funny, because John Serber, that was
0: the thing that he texted me. We finally get the answer. What do you do in space when you have to go to the bathroom? Um, so, I am fascinated with where that's going to go To take a step back, though, what I thought was equally fascinating is seemingly how difficult it is to launch a streaming service. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yep. Because it it didn't work yesterday very well. And and I, I think that surprised a lot of people thinking, oh, it's Disney. They just do the streaming thing, right? But it turns out it's probably a little bit more difficult. And if you do any research on the battle between Netflix and blockbuster and what Reed Hastings was doing, like they were building that thing brick by brick, literally till it was ready to go. Um, And all of these other services are uh, attempting to ape off of, I think that knowledge
1: and build a thing that I don't know about you, but it didn't work for me. Well, um, the the second thing that I watched and I watched it all the way through was the first episode of the, Imaginarium? What do they call themselves? The Imagine. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what. Sorry, you, yeah. I don't know the name. It's one of the very f- top things on the page. And it's the documentary about Disney. And obviously it's glowing for Disney because it's owned by them. Right. Yes. But they do talk about the disaster of the first day when Disneyland opened. Uh, Disney World. Sorry, is the California one. Yep. So Disney World opened and how much how terrible it was and how it bombed because they didn't they weren't ready for the traffic. And I was like, really? Like in a digital platform, you did the exact same thing because I wasn't able to even watch the beginning of that episode until 3 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Well, I was telling you on the phone yesterday when we were getting ready to do this, like my son Jack figured out very quickly that when the retry comes up, that you just hit it as hard as you, like as many times as you can, and it'll eventually like, he was calling it kick it in the pants, so you just hear him in the background going, works, Dad. (laughs) And so I, I... I I just—I don't—and again, I don't know the back end of what it would take to run—like, the bandwidth it takes to run something like Netflix, which we take for granted when we're running it in our house on a phone, and iPad, and in two rooms, and we're pissed that one of them doesn't work. Um, To have any sort of understanding of what it takes to launch something like that, I don't— I. Full disclosure, I don't. But what I can tell you is it's clearly really difficult because they didn't get it right. And I'm guessing they anticipated traffic, probably just not traffic like this.
1: Well, and... I will say once I got mine up and running, I was already on my phone. I was already running it from my computer, and then I could Chromecast it to my TV, and it didn't skip a beat. So when it's working, I'm watching everything perfectly. It's just I'm sure, yeah, that first day you had everybody wanting to be able to say the first thing about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so everybody was on it at the same time.
0: Do you, do you think you'll cut anything for this?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yep. At least for three months, four months, um, probably through the winter season, while I go through and rehash all the remakes and all of the movies I haven't watched for years and that kind of stuff, I'm gonna probably cut out a couple of them. Do you? Have, wait, is it a secret? No, I'm uh, Hulu is <laughs> gone for sure. Yeah, well, it's funny because I told you that yesterday. Like I, we have Hulu
0: as well, and if I watch that once a year, it's a Christmas
1: miracle, right? And you were saying something similar that you got it. I got I got my uh, Hulu on Black Friday last year where it was a dollar a month, and we're coming up on Thanksgiving. So, like Thanksgiving was, oh, cancel my net our Hulu subscription. So that one's totally gone. I'm gonna drop the ESPN Plus for now, and then I'm going to hopefully drop Netflix for a couple months, and then I will come back to the ones that I miss when they're gone.
0: Yeah, because I think, and we didn't talk about this, but I think I, we will keep Netflix. And Disney Plus, uh, I will likely probably not, and we'll talk about MMA here in a little bit, but I probably won't go back to ESPN Plus until it it's ready. Yeah. Because one of the things that and it was um uh what is his name? Did uh supersize me. Um Morgan Spurlock. Morgan yep. Spurlock said this, I don't know, a decade ago. And he said, Look, what I what I see coming is all of these tubes which act like all of these cable channels right and so now instead of having a cable subscription with 400 channels you have one streaming service times 400 to get all of the content and what we need to get to is one right right like almost back to a cable subscription which streams the things that you want right Is we're just dancing we're chasing our tail a little bit and so the fact that espn plus really isn't as robust for an mma fan as fight pass was right like all that content isn't necessarily right. there and there aren't enough events happening there and there's this weird leap between if you don't have a cable subscription there's stuff that you can't watch that lives behind the espn, mother, ESPN mothership which is fine except you have a streaming service right so and it's an extra step to go pay-per-view it, it to me has been a bridge too far, especially since I'm not. We're not making a podcast about it anymore. I'm not doing. I'm not consuming as much content.
1: I don't, that one's an easy one for me to say. Nope. Well, I think that you have to think that you and I are huge MMA fans, and then as far as I go, that's it for sports, right? And so I'm not turning on anything else that that program would have, like that that channel would have. So I use it once a month. Right, and, and that's it, and I can figure out that that's just not for me for the the money. Well,
0: and what I thought was
1: interesting is that the
0: NFL, which has largely been, you would hear people saying this for the last six years, as soon as people figure out how to stream football, that's when the that's when the cord cutting game is over. Everyone's going to cut their cord, and we get to this year, and what is the NFL doing? Well, they're not they're they're half pregnant on this, but on your phone for free in your network right like you can watch two games a week on your phone per day right Mm. like so there's two games and for the most part here it's been nfc north games so you can say lions minnesota chicago whatever but it's free they're running spots in between okay fine you've you've got to do that but you're giving me the thing that you told me if you ever could stream football for free, it would be game over. Well, it feels like we're we're right about there, which says if you've got this app, ESPN, with this many hoops to consume the single sport that you want to consume... Somebody's got to do it better, or they have to do it better,
1: you know. Well, and one of the things that uh, my brother and I noticed when we were watching the last ESPN Plus event at his house, the Moscow, yes? E- no, I'm sorry, the the one, one before it. that, yep. But we were watching that, and the advertisers that are on there are not your A level advertisers. No, no, like, no, no. So you have Shaq and the General, and they're usually talking, and that's going on, you know, pretty A level stuff, even though the commercials are just awkward. <laughs> But it was whatever insurance does below that. And then there was a couple of class action lawsuit people. And then there was like some like, you know, like Mucinex, like, but the knockoff versions of those. It was a very awkward like setup for that. And I'm like, this is like not the age demographic for the advertisers that you're using, which means that they're just putting on, I mean, essentially spare parts at this point Uh, to get the advertisers running through? In
0: broadcasting, they would call that remnant inventory. I like spare parts. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, they're using remnant inventory for these people that want to come in probably at a cheap rate and say that they're on ESPN, right, the third-party attribution. Um, But it's interesting because this is a great segue because it's clear that they're A-caliber Advertisers don't view, and you and I don't know this because we're not watching any other product on ESPN Plus, but at the, we can speak specifically for MMA. They don't view it as a real sport because they're not advertising, even though in the ring it appears that tide has shifted. Right? You've got Budweiser, you've got Burger King, you've got Unilever, you've got all the big major brands that are touching. MMA in some way, shape, or form, but at least on the streaming service, that
1: is not true. Yeah. And I mean, when you were watching it on traditional Fox, I mean, it was Toyo Tires, Bud Light and you know, like everything else so and you whatever
0: had, whatever a caliber action movie was coming out yep. right something with jason statham or the rock or what and i'm not making fun of but like they would like if there was a Hobbs and shaw that would have been in there if there was it that would have been in there star wars would have been in there because they know who they're
1: talking to right and and that's just that's missing out of this and it's just interesting to see what that means for the streaming service because if they're making it up for their five dollar subscription or however they want to so then remnant inventory until it makes sense i I would like to see, since we're talking about a streaming platform, I would like to see what you see in regular podcasting and what digital advertising is like, shoot, like don't just shoehorn some bad 30 second commercial, right? give me two minutes of something that in between the rounds, or give me a minute in between the round of somebody saying something interesting. I mean, to, to produce a, a straight to camera, somebody who's dynamic saying something or introducing the preview to a movie and then you watch the preview and then they sum it up for you. Right, That would be interesting where I'd stay engaged the whole time, but instead like they're running spare
0: parts. Right. You're getting less than Mucinex, which I don't even know what less than Mucinex is because it's not like Mucinex is a A-caliber <laughs> advertiser, right? They have a talking booger as their <laughs> spokesperson, um, which leads me to, to talk about the the other thing that you and I have been experimenting with for the last, we'll call it four months. And that is something else that a lot of people are disrespecting at this point, which is TikTok. And and I, I want to talk a couple minutes about what you're seeing there because we're doing two very different things in the space and you're obviously, your subject matter is a little bit more exciting than what I'm trying to do because full disclosure, uh, a 45-year-old on TikTok, it's not necessarily designed
1: for me. So yeah the only way that i've saw the tiktok uh the 45 year old tiktok thing going is the person going i'm too old for this platform (laughs) (laughs) which i'm not doing you're not not doing that at all thank goodness (laughs) you're not doing that but yeah that is a interesting platform in the fact that they have um it started off as uh, musically as what they pulled in i don't know where the like the Like actual connection made. I think they bought Musical.ly and then just kind of took the back end and shoved it into this thing called TikTok. Gotcha. The way that I see this thing is you basically have the Tonight Show, America's Got Talent, and Ridiculousness all combined into one thing that is this one app and anybody can get in and try to get on stage. And I think the thing that you're seeing in this platform, which is interesting, is that people are sitting down and actually taking sessions of tiktok in they're not just um walking by and opening up instagram when they see a notification or something like that you have to sit down and it's taking three senses because you have to have sound on you have to have your thumb is scrolling because you right. have to be yes. you have to be you know saying yes or no, na- you know yay or nay you're simon cowell saying if you like <laughs> it or not yes and then you're also visually taking this thing in so the whole time you're in this pro uh, in this app you're interacting with it you're not setting a podcast and raking leaves you're not putting something you're not casting something to the tv and then using a different platform if you're on the platform everybody in the room has to be on the platform with you unless you have some sort of headphones and so i've actually noticed that it's people will sit and look at it together, which feels different than anything that we've had in the last uh, few years as far as new platforms and new ways to consume media is coming in.
0: And as far as creating content, and I know that you're not a TikTok expert, but you've done over 100 pieces of content in this platform, which I would venture to guess outside of the Vine influencers and YouTubers who have come over probably puts you in a higher percentile than most human beings what's one takeaway that people can understand if I'm going to create on TikTok because I see an opportunity, what, what should I, how should I treat this differently than I would my Instagram or my, my
1: Instagram story, probably a better apt comparison. Yep. So it is the way that I'm seeing this thing play out is it is actually more along the lines of twitter for video so it's not long form content but you're also not going to sit on there and if you if you start your TikTok with hey guys i just want to they're done <laughs> you're over
0: Hey guys, it's Tuesday.
1: You're done. So that's what's happening in Instagram Stories. Is, hey guys, I'm just happened to go to. This feels really judgy right now, just to you. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just the difference in la- it's just the difference in language between yep. the two. And so one of the things you'll actually see me if you actually follow along what I'm doing is that I'm editing for TikTok. So I'm documenting things that I do, and then I'm editing those for TikTok. So I'm having to cut, 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 and then I'm having to take the best shots that. Uh, Transfer into the vertical style format and I'm editing for it. Where some people are creating for TikTok, the people that can dance, I can't. The people that are enormously funny, I'm not. And then the people that can do something that is so unique that they are going to shine on that platform i'm doing something that is unique but i have to take a day's worth of outdoor adventure and then cut that down into four 15 second clips as opposed to making a three minute long video and so on a daily basis how much stuff are you putting out on tiktok for the last month i've been doing two times a day have you seen any difference between the month prior and now with y- two- yep yeah the the growth is super easy so this is definitely a viewer first platform just like youtube is how many people watch youtube use it as a search engine do all this stuff and how many people consistently put out content for youtube it, it would i mean i'd say it's almost zero. Oh, oh i'm sure yeah no yeah that disparity is probably huge and It's the same thing in TikTok because you can't take a photo of your coffee just like you saw everybody else do and then post it easily because if you can't dance you can't replicate that part of it. Right. So there are things that are easier to get in there to do and there are things that you can have fun with your family and do that. And I recommend doing it just to see what the interaction is like because weirdly enough the community and the people that are commenting and and playing in the space with you are some of the most genuine interactions that I've ever seen. And I think it's because what I'm doing is I'm actually centralizing Michigan based content. And I'm saying, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. Have you been here? Have you seen this? Check this out, paddle here, that kind of stuff. And what it's doing is it's, Making people think that this international platform is now in their hometown, like the sh- like the road show came <laughs> to their hometown. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so the interaction in the comments are us genuinely making connections and someone saying, I'm from Midland. You should go to the largest uh, canopy covered road in the United States. And I'm like, okay i'm I'm going to figure out when I can get there and do that thing that he's talking about, because it's not just junk junk you know or people just commenting because that's what they think right. they need to do right do you, would you say right this moment that this is one of your favorite platforms or no, it's one hundred percent my favorite platform to play on It's the one that I actually am caring about because it's the most fun for me uh, Twitter never actually played well with me. Reddit is something that I have always kind of messed with. And it feels like what Reddit could have been if it was a original content first platform. Got it. Gotcha.
0: Very cool. And so for people who may not know, um, can you tell a little bit about my playground and what you guys do?
1: yeah Uh, about five years ago now four years ago my brother and i started a company called my playground for those who are not initiated into terrible acronyms my mi is michigan because we're a michigan-based company and um it started back in the day when we were paddleboarding on lake michigan and we just said this whole state is awesome it's like a giant playground henceforth My playground. And uh, so, what we're doing is we're traveling the state and we're making Michigan based content with major for the most part very accessible things trails that are free to go on to state parks that you can just go and play on um, paddling hiking the stuff that's human powered stuff that you don't have to invest a twenty thousand dollar thing into and making the most authentic uh, version of these videos to show you what it's like to actually go and do this stuff Awesome, and, so, and sent sent to like really, uh, really just weird electronic <laughs> and funk music because that's my style. Because that's your style.
0: So wh- like, when when a season dips like this, right out of sequence, we've been freezing here in Michigan. If you're listening elsewhere, for about five days, we've had a couple inches of snow. How does that change your thought process on making content, right? Because one of the things that I'm obviously fascinated with, and you and I, have, we celebrated our Facebook friendiversary yesterday. So we've been friends for five years. Um, and I've said this a couple times, like for me, you're one of my muses, one of the guys that I look to, 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 create more and push me because I see what you're doing. And I just like to pick the brain of people who are more creative than me in a different universe on how they see when the world changes like that, right? We talk all about digital disruption and you know, it's the retail apocalypse. Well, that same thing happens with content on a nearly daily basis. So
1: everything that we do is as close to real time as that we can make happen. A story that is going up on our, our Instagram, that's super easy to keep current because you just snap the photo and then you're, you move on to your day. But we are moving at the speed of the internet. So when the things shift and the conversation is shifted, we are out gathering the content to keep that conversation going and lead that conversation, not just jump into it and say, four inches of snow, can you believe it? We're already ready saying, these are the things that you could be doing right now actually shoulder season and this level of snow is my favorite time to hike because you get a completely different look of the bed of a forest and you can see so deep into it that now deer are walking through and that kind of stuff hunting season is coming up so be careful where you walk but other than that um, there's a lot of things that you can do in here and the color shift and that kind of stuff that we want to make sure that we're playing in that platform and we're set up to have a conversation that's relevant and topical on a daily basis How much content should you be creating? That's actually a super interesting question because it depends on somebody's goals. For a personal thing, it's you can post if you're enjoying it. So just post as much as you enjoy and enjoy the 400, 500 people on the platform that you interact with daily. And if you're a business that is trying to, say, drive traffic to a resort or a destination or those kind of things, you should be creating multiple pieces for each day. I don't have an actual answer of how many pieces because if you listen to Gary Vee, he says a thousand.
0: Well, but I I think he's being hyperbolic, right? Because he knows that you'll do none of them. Right. This is what we talk about all the time, right? Like he says all this stuff because you'll do none of it. I'm meaning more like um, talking a little bit more about how when you make a single piece of content, right? For example, we're recording this podcast, but at the same time, we're filming this podcast. And, you know, so we're... I'm going to take this stuff and chop it up into tiny pieces so that I can repurpose. And that for this single time, if we're sitting here for an hour or 40 minutes or whatever, I have other things I can do with it. And I'm not just stuck with a podcast. I've made other pieces. So I want to talk a little bit about your your thought process on
1: scaling that creative. Yep. And actually, it drives right back to the TikTok part. I'm documenting what we're doing as far as we're going out and having these adventures exploring the state. And then we edit for platforms. So in some raw form, there's a conversation, there's a video clip, and there is, you know, some audio that sits somewhere. And then I'm editing for these platforms. So any given day, you're probably seeing me personally on ours, put up about 20 pieces of content and that's micro content. So that might be, you know, four things on a story, a hero image on our Instagram, two new TikToks, a Facebook post, and then responding to a few people in, in DMs in which they're having real conversations with us. And we're saying, no, actually, we were not at this lighthouse, we're at this lighthouse and here's the map to go and so that you can do it yourself. So I think when people think content, they think what do you mean we have to make 25 like take 25 photos a day it's like you're going to drown if you have to go and take 25 photos a day and then you have to record you know 15 minutes of footage
0: and i would say there are brands that would drown if they had to take one photo a day right because if you're you know you're a small team of one and you're doing all this stuff you you really got to be intentional and plan this before the tsunami drowns you
1: We are specifically set up to be gather content first, to go and do a thing and and record and document what we're doing. I have so much empathy for people that are trying to create content where their job is to manage people. It's to make sure that the store is locked and unlocked and open. (laughs) It's all of those things in which somebody has to do. My, my dad is actually out running a, a Marine right now and he's doing a great job on their Instagram, but he's saying, well, there's nobody out driving that boat right now. And so the heavy lifting of getting that boat out and driving and doing that kind of thing is a whole day's worth of work. Where if you're a content first, if you have one person whose only job is to create content, then you can expect 50 micro pieces of content and two heavy lifting contents a week. And that's nothing. That's not even a big ask for somebody, but the value that that's bringing is eventually they're going to get the photo that's going to be on the cover of your, you know, very niche magazine that you start printing in five years because that's going to be the next step that you do naturally. Right. right. Like we're talking digital, but then you're going to take that image that's going to blow up and it's going to be in a spot that no one's ever been in before, or it's going to have a little thing. And if you think that um, all the the content that we could talk about that's sitting on this desk right here is only one conversation or one photo, you're wrong. We can have i'm looking eight conversations about everything that's sitting on this table and it's a couple cup couple cups of coffee in our recording devices so walk me so walk me through it then okay so i mean just real quick we walked in and you obviously had coffee made for us already and it was brewing and you were running through a ninja coffee maker but we've had how many conversations about the difference between a coffee maker a french press and a pour over Are you judging me about my coffee? <laughs> no, because actually the the ninja coffee maker is if you're going to have a coffee pot, you're going to get the closest to the cleanest cup of coffee out of a coffee maker until you start to go into the thousands of dollars right, for the next or, cup of coffee. Right. So your ninja is actually the closest one. And then the difference being that you're drinking it out of a go ahead and let the audience know a Hulk mug you're drinking it out of a Hulk mug and I'm just drinking it out of a, a regular coffee cup here so you like your choice in that and why you want to have this as your thing is something to talk about then we're obviously in your studio at this point right here and you and I are both in the process of building our studios out yes so I'm not going to go through eight. Let's go through those you know, those sure. few examples right there. Because that's the kind of conversation that your fans are wanting to have with you. And not just fans, the people that you interact with. I think one of the things that most people think is that they're going to get to the point where they're going to be having fans that are looking towards them. And really, you're going to realize that the most people that you're talking to, they feel like friends. You're like, oh, we know them. We know them. We know them. And you're like, well, how many times have you actually even interacted with them in in real life? The answer might be zero. And I think everybody wants it to be this uh, larger thing because they've seen what happens when someone has 1.2 million right. followers right. on Instagram or their Facebook page is so big that they post something and they get a million six views on everything that they post. When really the people that you see liking and sharing, you actually do get to know them. That top fan thing that's going on Facebook, I, I know all of them. Right. Yeah. I, and I'm not really sure the top fan thing works the
0: way that they say it works because right. it feels pretty random. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you tend to, the people that buy bubble up in the top fan space tend to be actual top fans or people who comment uh, you know although it's weird how it picks them from week to week but yeah i would guess that those people are are the closest to the
1: venn diagram of humans you've actually met than people who've just sort of joined the page and then you end up seeing them once a year at the um, we take a trip to the Sioux Ultimate Paddle Day every single year. Sure. Where they have these races through the whole thing. And I know the top three paddlers that are there and we interact with on social media every day. So you'd think those are strangers, but they're not because I look forward to seeing them every year, all the way down to Comic Con just left Grand Rapids. And for those who don't know, I'm just an avid costume maker. And so we am getting there. <laughs> and I'm seeing all the people that I. Uh, talk to and they're posting things about themselves they're showing me a new dremel tool i need that kind of thing so when i see them i say hey oh i see you're in costume and you actually fixed the thing that you were just talking about a week before on facebook
0: and so comic-con just left um did you go in
1: costume or did you just go just went yeah yep how was it um i like it because the community of people that i know there and seeing the the 501st i i'm pretty familiar with their work and i have some friends from up north that had a few suits down here but they weren't um they weren't here physically so i was like oh there's you know there's mike's suit and i like seeing that kind of stuff because um i think that i'm kind of in a basement by myself creating the stuff and it is the time to see other people's work. And I enjoy any effort that somebody puts into making or creating a thing themselves. And I can appreciate the um, enthusiasm it takes to actually make that thing because I know they're doing the same thing I am.
0: And so... If we go all the uh, well sort of all the way back if we go all the way back it it looks like you started this whole process this costume making thing about 6 years ago 7 years ago
1: Yep yeah I always liked it from a fun perspective but the actual heavy like bigger builds And um, so
0: your first build was Buzz Lightyear what was the yep. impetus to even start cuz obviously that's not an easy one Like yeah. that's
1: not the easiest one to start with Right and in fact the way that I did it is not even the easiest way to do it So I love I love characters. I actually didn't grow up watching that many cartoons and I didn't go to the movies that often. So my thing was action figures and Legos. And so my worlds that I created inside of it was always I'm going to have these guys who I deemed good guys because I didn't know if they were or not, fight bad guys that I deemed bad guys. And so anyways, f- fast forward a long way to my friends and I hosted a Halloween party that was an actual party not just a house party sure and we got insanely competitive on who could come out with the best one my friend Dan Pemble who's a talented uh, tattoo artist he came as Beetlejuice one year and melted everybody's mind and then he did the Joker the next year and he actually had hair extensions put in for it and so I was like you know what I'm just gonna flip the flip the table here and I'm gonna come back with something (laughs) completely different so I left that year and I came back with Buzz Lightyear which is made out of a 50 gallon plastic drum which it just if you're going to get into costume building use EVA foam <laughs> Don't don't use 50-gallon drums. I still have shards of that stuff, like in socks and different things in, in my house, and I've moved twice so since I've made why that. So why did you pick that? That just was the shape that made sense? It was the shape that made sense, yeah, exactly. And um, one of my favorite things to do is actually break down the costumes themselves and figure out like where that artist's headspace was when they were making it. So he, uh, Buzz Lightyear, if you look really closely at him, he's actually a mid-century artist. Um, mid-century modern with the like old futurist version of what space travel should look like yep and when you start to break down who he was and how he moved i went and made what Buzz Lightyear, the real character, the real guy would have been that the toy was based off of. So I took one step away from it. So mine is battle damaged, is broken. I don't follow the exact same lines. I actually adapted it just a bit to fit a human body a little bit more. So he wasn't quite so clunky like most people do, because the biggest thing that I like to do is create something that I've never seen before, even if it's a character that everyone's seen a hundred times.
0: Okay, and which will get the predator is a great example of that. Yep. But um, so you put that out, your wife goes along with you. Is she like, is she into this or is she
1: just like, okay, fine, I'll do this? Yep. So she is actually super supportive of the whole thing. And that, she that's in-
0: different than into it, though.
1: No. So. <laughs> very into it. In fact, um Jessie, the cowgirl, um she made that one 100% herself. Even okay. the she even um braided and then super braided her own wig for the thing she's not even buying the wig online. She's actually painting and making her own hat, doing all that kind of stuff. So she's into it and she has the same eye, but what's happened is my um me cutting and gluing and doing all of that stuff so far, I've kind of passed the complications of the build. And so now I'm building those things and she's actually kind of moved on to the support staff and then making like just collecting Christmas sweaters. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So
0: you, the next one is Batman. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, And then, and what, so what was different about that Batman? So and, and I'll put like, I'll put links to all of these so people can see these photos if they want to see them. Um, but yeah. Yep.
1: So, in theory, I never so I've never sold any of my costumes. Sure. But in theory, um, I was watching people make uh, urethane Batman's at the time, and everything that they were selling was ten thousand dollars for. Uh, it was specifically the Dark Knight. Yep. And that suit itself is just the most intricate and machined looking suit that they've ever made. So getting it right was the hardest thing, and I wanted to make one. I wanted to make a ten thousand dollar suit. For, I mean, I put a couple hundred dollars into it, but I wanted to make something that, so that was actually a value play more than it was Got the, it. like, never seen before.
0: Okay, and then, so then we get to, is it Predator next? Yes, or is it Ninja Turtles next?
1: That would be the Ninja
0: Turtles. Okay, so yeah. then you decide that you're going to do five of these. Yep. So you did one, then you did
1: one, now you're doing five. So talk to me about the the process of doing the Ninja Turtles. So the Turtles were actually my very first play of making a suit that the patterns didn't exist online. So... Um, there isn't a Buzz Lightyear one but I didn't pattern him that was like more like me just mad scientist sculpting in my basement sure. so I actually created this one and I wanted to say I can duplicate it so if you make one I was going to duplicate it three more times for all four turtles and then I had to make splinter to go with it because that's obvious and then um right so I based him off of the I didn't want to go Jim Henson original um Ninja Turtles movie because I want to be able to do the character that I'm working on justice and I know that I couldn't get to that level of sculpting with all the latex and animatronics that they did so I actually went and and most fans sort of hate those Ninja Turtles (laughs) right A lot. (laughs) So I went Nickelodeon. Yes. And that was right when their series was going on. It actually was a decent series with Mm -hmm. good storylines. And they had some pretty sharp angles and some fun things happening. And I knew that that would translate really well into mascot. And then I think uh, it was Universal Studios that had a a mascot set that was going around doing their promotional material. So I used those as reference photos. And I created a set of patterns that I think there is... Five people now who have used my patterns to make more of these guys. Oh wow, so they're out walking the world right now. And so
0: uh, quickly before we, we kind of move on with, with this part, um, when do you start making these? Like how long does it take you to make five well, four turtles and a splinter, right? And Splinter was like full
1: hair, like it was yeah to the, it was crazy. Yep. Um, I start now, so it's, Halloween is over and Comic-Con is over, and now I start the next one, and I've already, I have sketches going, I've got scale models started, so all the way through winter, you'll all probably stay at a pretty small scale, test scale, trying things, and I'm working on two suits right now at the same time that are completely different, but go as a pair, and um, that's where, as long as you stay small in the scale, the patterns can shift, So you can make a lot of mistakes. Gotcha. Okay, so then you get to Batman and Robin Predator. Yeah. Okay,
0: so walk me through that one. Okay, so I'm gonna. That one's probably the most outlier-ish one that you've done, right? Because it's the craziest mashup. It's a thing that doesn't exist,
1: really, never has exist, probably won't ever exist. Right. Yep. So, um, Batman and Predator. Right. Have faced off. Yes, before. they have. Yes, and but it, they didn't become one person. They did not become one person. But then my thought was, um, Batman. The the moniker of Batman has shifted before and back. You are. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, I thought, well, if this guy saw him as a formidable foe and they take on uh, the places that they're at. So if you are in the Predator lore, if they're in a place with jungle, they feel jungle. They feel like more like a city. If they're back in their home planet, they feel different than what they normally are. And so I thought if this guy was as formidable of a foe as he as I think that Batman would be for him, then he might take on some of that when he leaves onto the next one. So Batman. Batman and Robin Predator comes out, and it was something that I was having a lot of fun with. In the, I actually got it. Do you know who Brack is from Space Ghost? Oh, yeah, Coast totally. To yeah, yeah. Yeah. My wife wanted Space Ghost Coast to Coast for her costume. <laughs> And so, wait, hang on. So, Predator Space Ghost or just actual space? No, she wanted regular Space okay. Ghost, but I was going to do the, the gritty Re- reboot. Re- regular. Yeah. I was going to do the gritty reboot of what Space Ghost, when they did like those close up weird shots of them and all of a sudden they were way too detailed, yes. kind of like a Ren and Stimpy uh, yep. thing that they did. I wanted to make that. Well, Brack actually looks like a Predator. So, I started looking at Predator Masks to figure the whole thing out. And then I was like, okay, I got it. And then from there, I was like, this is actually better as Robin. So then I became Batman. And then I started following that whole, you know, breadcrumb trail to Batman and Robin predator who, uh, travel through the world and act as these anti-heroes. Okay. And, and the
0: thing that, that you really haven't touched on that I want to make sure that people understand is when you start these projects you're not only trying to make something that hasn't been seen or a version that hasn't been seen you're also adding a talent that you don't know yep right so if we go through hacking at a 50 gallon drum to batman right so we're 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 blunt force trauma to make this thing now we have to machine pieces because it's got to look super detailed Now we're sewing and mass producing the Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. Now we're mashing up two very complicated things together to create this plastic latex monstrosity, right? this year we'll jump forward a little bit like this year you wanted to mess around with electronics
1: yeah so that was the one of the things that always eluded me and i never go lightly into any of the projects sure don't never sculpted in my life i made batman i've never sewn in my life i made um the splinter and all that kind of stuff and so yeah now we're on to the mortal Kombat this year and mortal Kombat characters have powers they can shoot things out of their hands they light up during certain parts of the stuff and i had never worked with electronics before. And I wanted to make something that when I was done with it, I could then show everybody else how I did this. And so I went, our suits are completely filled with um, LED strip lights that can actually activate to sound. So if you're in a place with a lot of music, or if you're it's quiet and you're talking, the lights are going to bounce around to the sound, and then you can click on and off your hands so that you can do any kind of the power fireball, ice balls, whatever, sure, yeah. whatever you want to do to make it look that way. And the idea behind these ones is I've made stuff that my wife being very uh, accommodating for all the stuff, she's like, I just want something that I can see and have fun in. And I was like, okay, then we're, we are going to be the DJ booth. Like, that's how bright I want us to be. <laughs> and all season, we definitely were that. And so you you go through the season and how many parties
0: do you guys tend to go to? Because obviously you put all this work, you start working, you know, it's November 13th at this point, you start working on the 13th of November and then launch
1: call it October 20th, how many of these parties are you going to? We go to about five of them a year. Um, And I want to be very clear on how I do this because I have a different um, idea than a lot of people cosplay people really like to dress up and interact with their communities and um maybe take a little bit of rub from the character because they like the character so much they want to pay i like the characters that i'm working with and i i like buzz lightyear i like sully mortal kombat i i do appreciate them but i like building the suits to try to go to costume contests and be judged I like the being judged part of this thing.
0: So the nuance here is that what you're into is the creation, the art of it, and then the result.
1: Not necessarily the cosplay element of it. Yep. I've actually figured out that the reason why I like doing the group part of it is that I can look out and see my friends wearing the costumes and having a good time. And so much so that I would even give up the fourth suit to let somebody else wear it, as long as I thought they would do it justice, because I enjoy seeing other people like have fun and i enjoy seeing the the artwork part of it as much and then i have a whole strategy on how to win costume contests and every year i just try to see how many of these i can win I'll I'll give you the breakdown real quick. Oh, I I thought we were going to sell an eighty
0: dollar ebook on how to win Halloween costume contests. Yeah, no, that's coming
1: out uh, in <laughs> in two weeks. That's why we, that's why we're doing this whole this thing. Is, yes, we're pitching his ebook on how to win Halloween costumes. Yep, costumes. Size always wins. The bigger the stupid thing is, the better it's going to be. So was that so? Again, for people who haven't seen, is is that what made Sully? Sully okay. Sully was a size size because I was like, why do I keep losing to these bad costumes on stilts? And then. Sully was born, okay? Lights gain a lot of attention. Group, so if you can take more than one, you gain more attention because the physical size you take up in the room with more people is the same thing as having a tall person. Then quality will always come through if you follow along by going the size, the group, and lights. Now. If you were in an actual cosplay contest at Comic-Con where they're judging the craftsmanship of sewing, it's a completely different rule. But when you're at a bar with a DJ going, you have to gain attention. So your, your costume has to do three tricks. So size can be a trick. Then a button that when the person's interacting with you, if you can have them push a button on your suit and it lights up, you're going to melt their mind. And then if you if the person walks up and says, oh, look, you're Scorpion. And you're like, yep. And then Sub-Zero, Ermac and Reptile walk up behind them. They're your fan. So that when everyone's cheering for you at the end of the thing, you're going to have that person cheer for you now because you just said, oh, my gosh, you guys went nine steps away. Like you've gone so far. So far, too far, <laughs> that I'm back on your side again. That's funny. So, let's take a step back because it, it
0: really hasn't been all roses in this creation. You you had one that was not really the way that you wanted. Can we talk about the the He-Man build? Yeah. Okay. So, like, walk people through what you were trying to do and what you thought worked and didn't work in that one? Because would you agree that's probably the least successful?
1: Yeah, for sure it is. And every year, um, I could take Buzz Lightyear and Sully out every year and try to win these contests over and over again. But that's not the point, right? So I, I tried, and I wanted to make a muscle suit, and I wanted to make muscle suits for me and my wife, who are very different builds. And I wanted to make something, because everything I've ever made was copyright. And so I just wanted to make the muscliest things I could think of insert he-man was the the armor of that thing was actually super easy it's just like a day build to get that done (laughs) right but the um the muscle suit was what i spent all my time working on and i actually made that thing brought it out to about four or five contests and we completely struck out that year even though the build quality was up just like with the rest of my suits it didn't resonate because there was no pop that's another one there was no pop culture reference in there the i i thought that he-man was something that people knew and it just is it was too old for the crowd that well was at and, these and
0: you know and again to be fair to you though we were supposed to have the netflix special by that point like there were right. supposed to be a
1: bunch of things out at that point that would have changed that dynamic yep. but they they didn't yep and so actually that's when i went back and i said one of the problems with these ones is it was dark and so then I went the opposite, and I made myself into a disco show by making the Mortal Kombat characters.
0: So when are you going to make yourself into Voltron? Because that's really what I, I want It's like you and five friends to become a giant, where it's actually five yes. friends in each part of it. Yes. Yeah,
1: that—that's uh, next year. Okay,
0: awesome. So I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want uh, to take too much of your time because you've obviously came over here and you know on a, a day off and to do this, but I do want to talk for people who see the builds and see what you're doing and and get inspired what is it that you take inspiration from like when you're going to do these builds 12 month long builds you're making a piece of content for a year how do you stay engaged with that piece of content
1: It actually is the opposite of everything else that i do i'm usually creating i'm usually out making things doing stuff and this is when i can sit completely still for an extended period of time and make something at a desk that is only it's for a contest but it's only for me it's only for my own enjoyment and something that i enjoy doing i enjoy the research i enjoy going on the boards and like the rpf for the replica prop forums and i like talking to people for extended periods of time and figuring the stuff out. And I like to try to dive into the head of the original artist that made the thing so that I can try to do some sort of justice for it. And so would you, would you say that that's a form of meditation for you then? Yep. It's it's just like a guy that goes out and ties flies and, or a woodworker that is making something that spends way too much time making a, you know, a, a, necklace holder or a person who ties flies to catch that one fish, the payoff to the completion is way higher because it's something that they've, uh, it's a labor of love that they've put into it.
0: All right. So if people
1: want to connect with you and your brother, like how do, how do they do that? Yeah. So if the outdoor adventure part of it is what people like to see, it's, uh, my playground on all platforms and enjoy my playground is our website. And then if you are interested in the, um, fandom side of it and the, uh, costume creating stuff it's midwest midwest thor across all platforms and that's
0: midwest thor because
1: he botched that part yep sorry yep it's all all good yep midwest thor on all of that stuff that was a name that was given to me by my wife and uh i I picked it up and ran with it as you do (laughs) thanks buddy yep